Take a seat, we'll start and I, I hope to be short today. Thank you for all coming. Um, today's topic is Christ's return. And it is a bit difficult topic in Christendom. So before we start, let's pray. And I hope it will be a good discussion for all of us. Father in heaven, sovereign Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your wisdom, Father, Lord, which we cannot comprehend. That you came and died for us, for our personal salvation. That you are today sitting at the right hand of God, pleading for us, interceding for us. And you are coming again to take us. Lord, what a blessed assurance we have. And as we live in this world, you gave your word to guide us, to teach us, to lead us, and for us to know you even more further. As we dive into the topic of your return to take us back, I pray that you help us, that when we leave from this place, that we might learn a little bit more than what we have known already. Lead us today, Father, as we discuss this topic. Protect us, Father, Lord, from any kind of heresy or false teachings. Let this discussion be glorified to you. In the most precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Before I start, I want to ask a question. Is anyone here who is not a believer? Or who does not identify yourself as a Christian? Is everyone a believer here? I'm kind of uh, on the fence, to be honest. Thank you, brother, uh, for coming. And I hope this topic will help you to even decide whether you want to be a believer or not. Um, so before we dive into this, um, you said your name is John, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, how many of you, does everyone believe, or, or at least have an idea, I ever heard of the thing or, uh, or event called Jesus is going to come back again? Has anyone heard, not heard of it? that Jesus is going to come back again. So just to give you a quick idea, that around 2000 years ago, Jesus Christ came into this earth, born to human parents, mainly Mary. Um, Mary was impregnated by by Holy Spirit, and Jesus was born without sin. Pastor Paul has reference today in our sermon. And he came to the earth to give to personal salvation to us. How did he do that? He actually died for our sins on the cross. And then he rose again, that is resurrection. And he has shown himself to many people. And that is basically a victory unto death. And he promised to come back again to to take believers, that means who has put our trust in him, to take us back again. So this is basically um, return of Christ that we are discussing here. And if Jesus is not returning, as Christians, we do not have hope. All of us are here in this room, even coming to church every Sunday because we know Jesus Christ is real and He is coming back again to take us. So, before I proceed, there is one reason for us 
There are many commands in the Bible, but particularly there is one command that is very difficult to follow. That is Philippians 4, chapter 4 and verse 4. Does anyone know it by heart? Philippians 4, 4. Questions? Difficult to follow. A command difficult to follow. Philippians 4, 4. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Rejoice in the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice. Yes. If you have no reason to rejoice, this is the reason to rejoice. That Jesus Christ is coming back again. So, as we dive into this topic, let's remember that we have a reason to rejoice whatever the situation we are in. Mm -hmm. um, so, this is the first chapter, the Christ return in, in the doctrine of future. Just to summarize, we have gone through 30 chapters of this book, covering 6 divisions of doctrine. That's the doctrine of the Word of God, doctrine of God, doctrine of man. Doctrine of Christ and Doctrine of Application of Redemption, Redemption. And today we are dealing with the Doctrine of Future and first chapter is um, Christ's Return. Now this future deals with eschatology. As eschatos means basically it's the last. The study of future events is called eschatology. Um, now many people in the past have predicted what is going to happen in the future. How many of you know the movie 2012? Does everyone know the movie 2012? Does the predictions came true? So, the, probably I'm the, I might be the one who, is, uh, who works with technology more than most of you. I'm a, um, but does anyone know how AI works? Artificial intelligence works? It basically works by taking the past events and predicting, okay, maybe this is how past happened, this is how future is going to happen. But AI cannot, artificial intelligence cannot predict how this is going to come. It, it might predict how stock price is going to rise or fall down. It might predict how the weather is going to be next hour or tomorrow or next month. But it definitely cannot predict when Christ is going to come. So, there's one person, a Baptist minister, who predicted that Christ is going to come back on October 12th, 1844. And because of him, today this very building exists today, Seventh-day Adventist Church. William Miller. <laughs> yeah, William Miller. He predicted that Jesus is going to come back on October 12th, to the, uh, October 22, 18, 1844. And that didn't happen. And all the Christians who followed him broke up and one of the factions founded Seventh-day Adventist Church. I thought that's an interesting fact that we know as we're sitting in this building. Um, and the 2012 movie, as we know, was predicting doomsday, that everything is going to end, but no one was able to predict future. And today I'm here not to predict the future, I'm only going to tell what Word of God talks about the future event, one of the future events, that's Jesus Christ's return. It's a very difficult topic and, um, and often a source of disagreement around many believers across the world. And... Um, so we'll see few things. So when is going to Christ return? I told we had to rejoice because Jesus Christ is going to come back. So when is he going to come back? Only God knows. Yeah, we don't know. But we know for certain he's going to come back because Jesus himself told he's going to come back. And we have recorded history in, in form of Bible 
and then a history at the time so let's look at what jesus said about him coming back it's matthew chapter 24 verse 44 uh, we will read the whole chapter uh, or part of the chapter as uh, as it talks about the end times i'm reading from matthew chapter 24 um well i'll start from the beginning jesus left jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple but he answered them you see all this do you not truly i say to you there will be left here one stone upon another there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down now he talks about the signs of the end age um as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age and jesus answered them see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying i am christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not alarmed for this must take place but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these are but beginnings of the birth pain then they then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come and they they all again pick up reading from um verse 29 chapter 24 verse 29 Immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the end of, from the end of heaven to the other i'm starting reading from verse 36 but concerning the that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father only for as for the days of noah so will be the coming of son of man so i read um, part of chapter 24 to basically orient ourselves into the topic of christ's return what Jesus Christ talked about himself returning back to the earth and what did he tell when he would return no one knows the day of the he hour. doesn't know only the father knows so anyone who says or anyone who predicts that Jesus is going to come or he see here he's there is absolutely wrong no one knows when he is exactly coming and he also knows he also told he's not going to come secretly how is he going to come verse 13 then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth 
not just the tribes of Israel, all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It, it's actually referring to a, a thunder. You know, if you see a thunder, you will, everyone will see. So how much more the creator of the thunder comes, how much more all of us will know. So he did not come secretly the second time. He did not yet come because he will come and we, when he comes, we will all know. Um, um, so let's digress a bit. What happens if you know for certain that Jesus is going to come, come back on certain day and certain time or certain year? What is going to happen? We will prepare ourselves. We will try to prepare ourselves. Why didn't he tell us um, that he's going to come like maybe 2050 or 2064? Why didn't he tell us exactly year? Well, I feel that it would keep, it would, it would produce a laziness within the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we, we talked on believers, I'll, I'll just believe on the Lord when I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel that on that, um, that mystery of not knowing it uh, burdens us to press harder mm. and to and work unto God with mm. more fervor. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. I'll give you a personal example. Um, I was eager to get baptized at the age of 13 or 14 and my, my, my parents were unbelievers. And so, because I wanted to get baptized and my parents came to Christ because of me. And my dad needs, wants to get baptized before me. And he's like, I need some more time to get baptized and you cannot get baptized until you're married because before that you'll commit a lot of sins and you want to be pure and all those things. So what he's basically saying is the day you get baptized, that's the day you actually fully prepare yourself for Christ's return or fully becoming Christian. You need to do all the sins, all the enjoy the parts of the world before you really commit yourself to (laughs) Jesus. So that is what's going to happen if we know the day, you know, all merciful, all gracious God and He's going to forgive our sins and we will not be prepared till actually uh, the day we die or we know if we are going to live till the day um, He's coming back. So, but that's not God wants us. God wants us to actually live a, a life dedicated to Christ now and the day when He comes back. Um, and it's a part of the redemption plan. If, if you are not being missional, um, if you are not being uh, like Christ-like, then there is no meaning to Christ's death, uh, which He did for our salvation. And so, and how is He going to come back? We already saw how is He going to come back, but we'll see a few more verses. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, he's, an angel was saying there, This Jesus, who was taken up from me into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him going to heaven. So, we already saw he's going to come with great pomp and glory and with angels. Um, and Revelation chapter 1, 7. Um, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all the tribes will wail on account of him. On account of him. Even so, Amen. What do we see here? There's going to be a sudden arrival of Jesus coming. It's going to be very personal. Jesus is going to come back himself. It's not his spirit. It's not something maybe just passing like a cloud. He himself is going to come. 
he is going to come suddenly and he will be visible to everyone it's not just he's slowly going to sneak in to only some somebody and it will be a bodily return it's not going to be uh, like a, a giant sound or a, a cloud or so it will be a bodily return it will be sudden it will be personal it will be visible jesus christ return um and when he returns and how he returns what is going to happen 1 1 john chapter 3 verse 2 beloved we are god's children now and what we what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is so when he comes it's not just we see him we'll all be glorified along with him that's what the word of god talks and that's what all christians agree on um so we don't know when he comes but we know and jesus himself said he didn't even doesn't know only father know we know how he comes now so what should be our attitude for jesus christ return how how should we even think about it what should be our attitude Pastor Paul said, I mean, this is in John 9:4, you know, the work to you know, work basically the works of God for while it is day because night comes when no one can work. Um just with a, a great fervor because like it says it, it's going to come upon us like a thief in the night. Mm. And uh you never expect when a thief is going to come, just mm. know they come and I think that parable that Jesus told in Luke of the rich man storing up all those treasures and all the storehouses and then boom you know this day i require i require your soul you know and so it's the the press on you know the press on with paul okay to press on uh what should be our attitude anyone else uh, when we think uh, about okay go ahead man. no go ahead finish your last please uh, when we think about christ return or we know when he, we don't know when he's coming we don't know how he's coming though so today as we sit in this room i as we go about our lives what should be our attitude about christ's return it was the uh, the epistle of uh, thessalonians where paul is uh, encouraging the believers to be uh, to be uh, not lazy mm-hmm. uh, they were lazy because they thought that christ was going to come uh, sooner mm. uh, but to be diligent Mm-hmm. to be uh at work mm. being about the father's business. Mm. Um so that's a good that's a good chapter. Mm-hmm. Um that's a good book to look at. Okay. Um in response to you know what what attitude we should have as believers um in light of Christ's coming mm. is that we shouldn't be lazy. Mm. Thank um, you. Yeah. I heard somebody say one time I never forgot it. to really be free live each day as though it were the last day mm-hmm. there's just something wonderful about that mm-hmm. anticipation you see Paul and David they look forward to being with the Lord forever and mm-hmm. the more you think about that just the gaze upon him and uh, i mean you can't help but, like i said this morning when you come to him you're going to see here is the one who created all these things I, and, and and then you think of all his creative work the heavens declare his glory the earth declares his full of his glory and then to think that all the redemptive work oh, you look at it, uh, the nail prints his hand the feet will be there all eternity to remind us of Christ's pain 
I just think that's so awesome to think of seeing him. Mm. And when, what did John do when he saw him? He fell flat on his face mm. because he saw him in his glory. Mm. The more you draw closer to him, the more exciting life is. Yeah, amen. Yeah. I was going to say, always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready. And also, um, not just think about ourselves. Like, we know that we're saved in Christ mm. if we are born again. But have broken hearts for those who are headed to hell. Mm. Um, because if we don't know that time, or we don't know when our life should be taken, or we don't know when another person's life should be taken, people die every single day. Mm. We really want to tell them about the gospel. We mm. want to live the gospel in front of them. Um, to let them know what the escape is from God's wrath. I, I, which Tony just said is so good, and uh, that's the reason why. In my old years, where uh, in my uh, God has been so gracious to me. Wherever I go, I give out the gospel. I love to say, I look with the eyes of the smile to say, may I give you a little message about my Lord? I just love to do that. And because just as she said, you don't know whether they're, gonna, uh, whether they're ready to meet the maker or not. Mm. Uh, and that's the joy of the Christian life, to live each day for Him. Yeah. Thank you all for your response. To summarize, we need to be living a self-controlled, upright, godly lives, first of all. And then, in this presentation, as we don't know when he's coming, we are waiting for Christ's return and we should be eagerly waiting for him. And to, to give you a personal testimony, um, or even before I say this, a lot of us, as we go about our daily lives, we don't really eagerly wait for Christ's return. And we are so engrossed in the good things that God has blessed us with, that it's hard for us to imagine actually Christ is going to return at any time. You know, even though we know in our head that, uh, that Christ can return at any time, we don't really, you know, live our lives like Christ is going to return at any time. And that's something that's sad on Christendom. But if you look at our brothers and sisters in Iran, or if you look at our brothers and sisters in communist China, where there's an underground church, and if you look at brothers and sisters in my own country, India, where, you know, an outward expression of faith can actually put you to death, all these brothers and sisters are every day eagerly waiting for Christ. You know why? Because that's where their life is. That's where their hope is. They put their lives on the line because they trust it so fully and they're waiting for the goodness of Jesus Christ to return and take them. Pastor Paul. Your just saying, it just excites it within me because uh, uh, when I was listening to, uh, I was on a talk with uh, uh, Mr. Cole, uh, president of uh, Voice of Martyrs, and he was over in uh, the Democratic Cong uh, Republic of the Congo and Central African Republic, and he said the people there don't have the things to distract them that what we have here. He said their focus is on what lays ahead. They, in other words, they've been born in the Spirit of God and they believe the promises of God and so they look forward to being with God and it's expressed in their worship at time together. Yeah. And in the same way with... I want to share a small personal testimony about the return of Christ. I, was, I became a believer in 17. That was when I went to college. And I was, um, my, because of my parents being unbelievers, I, was, I didn't have a chance to go to church. 
not I had anyone in my life whom who can speak to me word but I was interested in Christian God whoever he is from age of 7 or 8 and I always talked to him so by the time I was 10 I was sure if there's a god it has to be Christian god because every time I talked to him he I always felt he's listening to me so I ended up in college around 16 17 and I started going to a church that is led by students and first students and I started to read word and I, there's somebody who's speaking to me and by the time in one year I was sure you know I, I knew intellectually and emotionally this god really loved me and I can see already so I, I gave my life to Christ now the problem was I was going to ch- church bible study every opportunity I would find for fellowship and reading the word I was doing it continuously throughout the week but I went to one of India's top college which meant I was struggling in academics and I was not I, I was not in that school because I was talented because of um some sort of affirmative action because I come from a very socially outcast and lower background now people would make fun of me like y- you are so devotional you are so behaving like godly and wanting to be with godly people but your grades are so bad now that's when i started praying because now if i actually showing bad grades and poor academic result and claiming to see this god is real and i'm telling to everyone this god is real that means my god is not powerful enough to lift up my grades and i'm say ashamed as a follower of christian god whom i just found to be true so this is what i was praying to god i know you are true i know you are real either you come back and take me before the next semester grades are out <laughs> or improve my academic grades this was my prayer this is my simple prayer because i don't want to face anyone saying your god is not real you know what god did he didn't come back but he actually i became a topper from next semester so i was i was able to witness to people see my god is real <laughs> so for me i want them to see he's real one way he could do that is actually showing my grades from golden to top or he come back and show himself to others brother levin what you just said there is what's missing in so many of our lives we don't live like christ is real and there he was real they saw that that's with the impact that we're, we're, we're losing our influence because God is not real to us. Yeah. Today I don't claim I have the same real feeling every day I said him day for accident both my children were sick. I'm not living like Christ is anytime. My mind is filled with how can I deal the situation right now at home or how can I repair my home. But often we need to feel this real ourself with the reality as we fellowship with others as we spend time with Jesus as we listen to this fellowship hours our discipleship hours sermons anything that we really need to get into this reality that Christ can come at any moment and we need to be living for him i don't want to take much time but i'm going to ask you uh, i uh, i know you told me about your background but what was the big thing that made you come to the lord i didn't have any hope without Jesus in any worldly sense no hope at all for me how old were you seven is that right and that's when god began to work in your heart and yes it, isn't that amazing that's what i love to hear i love to see each one of us is different but god has his way reaching his own that's so good um <clears throat> so i'm i'm reading philippians chapter 3 verse 20 But our citizenship is in heaven, 
and from it we await a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This should be our attitude in a way, some of you are not Americans like me, and even though you knew, you know your country probably is much worse than America, you still have that longing and hope for your country that you want to be back there. You know, you, lo- you love that place. Something about it excites you. And that's how life should be. Even though we didn't know how heaven is, but we should be excited about how, where our citizenship is. It is heaven. We are not American, we are not Dominicans. Dominicans are not Indians. We are all citizens of heaven. And when we think about our home, we should be excited. We should be eagerly waiting for that place to go. Um, so, in, in a nutshell, in, without quoting much scripture, what is going to happen when Christ returns? Um, first, there's going to be judgment of unbelievers. What is the ju- what is can someone ex- explain to me what is the judgment of unbelievers? Of unbelievers? Yeah. Well, in Revelation chapter 20, and people don't realize this, but everything about their lives is recorded in books. Mm. And it's a great white throne. Mm. And, and, and those whose names are not written in the book of life, uh, oh, that is awful. And if you read Revelation 20, you realize what lays ahead for the unbeliever. Yeah. So, uh, One is, but talking about judgments, I think, and, and when I do, uh, uh, like different religious, spiritual organs, religious organizations, I don't know how uh, real they are. So when I write on the outside envelope, you know, different ministries I support, I'll put down Second Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, where we all, and this is for believers, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the grace he's shown to us. That, uh, I think about, you know, at my age, you can think how much I think about that. Yes. Now, he, he got my next point. That's the final reward of believers. It's not just, when Christ returns, it's just not the judgment of unbelievers. But we will be giving accounts of our activity and we will be rewarded according to it. And then we, as, of, as believers, as somebody who puts Jesus as our Lord, uh, who, who come under his Lordship in this life, we will be living with him and there will be new earth, a new heaven to all eternity. And the important thing is uh, Revelations 21, 1 to 4. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 4 of ch- chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the, fu- for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and that shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So when Christ returns, we, this world is not going to be like this. There will be no more sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain. And he will be leading us and um, living. We will be under his, his subjects as, as a king. We don't have to worry about the politics. We don't have to root for one party or the other party. We don't have to deal with daily problems around. But I, I, I really want to bring your attention 
um, to this fact that even though we know Jesus, Jesus Christ is coming, even though we know um, that he is the ultimate and great and you know, perfect king, we still have to live in this world. And the way we live in this world is we have hope, but we need to do what's the right right now, even though we eagerly wait for him. So, as we wait, um, something that's a big problem in Christendom is, and the reason there are many, um, many denominations today, is because most of us interpret the same scriptures differently. And um, and we are here today with so many denominations, Christians fighting among themselves. And one such thing people, uh, Christian fight on is basically the return of Christ. When he's going to come back. And the thunder will be taken by Pastor Bob, next, next uh, adult discipleship, or he's going to talk about millennialism. But we'll briefly touch on it. Touch on this. Now there are verses in Bible, as we read Matthew chapter 24, there are all these kind of signs we, we read about. You know, we will go through those signs. And, but there are also Jesus telling he's going to come, come suddenly. So, you know, it's kind of a contradiction, right? He's going to come suddenly. But there are also these signs, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. So does that mean it's not sudden? Like, so how are we going to reconcile so many people, many great scholars, they try to reconcile these two and they come up with many things. That's where millennialism comes into picture. And I'm pretty sure Pastor Bobby, because I know him before, he's going to say something called historical premillennialism is what, according to his convictions, the word of God. But we will slightly touch on it. So let's look at the signs that precede um, Christ's return. We already read Matthew 24. Um, and we'll read a similar chapter, Mark 13. Mark chapter 13. It's basically the same chapter as Matthew 24, but we'll see the signs here clearly. And he sat on the Mount of Olives, no, sorry, Mark, Mark chapter 13, verse, starting verse 3. And as he sat, sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains. But be on guard. For they will deliver you over to councils. And you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake. To bear witness before them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Um, and brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents, 
and have them put to death. And you will be hated by, by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Um, okay. It's exactly the same chapter. Now, something, some of the signs that Jesus mentioned is, one, the gospel will be preached to all the nations before Jesus comes. Now, can anyone confidently say gospel has not been preached to all the nations? Yeah. Well, we don't know for certain what actually Jesus meant. Did he mean to every person or did he mean all the nations, just nations? Right? There's also a difference between nations and countries. Yeah. So, now, I'm just saying it uh, later I'll, I'll explain why it's saying. So, first of all, for Christ written, there's going to be gospel preached to all nations. Then we, he talked in great detail about great tribulation. There's going to be a great tribulation period where Christians are going to be persecuted. You know, they, they, it's, even, it's even talking about death. It's even talking about killing. And most importantly, talking, Jesus has talked about false prophets. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. People will lead you astray. And there's going to be signs in heavens. Um, um, saying the sun, the sun will be darkened and the moon will be red and there will be wars of rumors there will be wars and rumors of wars and there will be famines and earthquakes and there will be coming of man of lawlessness and rebellion if you look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 now concerning the man concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him we ask you brothers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to be effect that day, the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of man, the, uh, sorry, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaim, proclaiming himself to be God. So, there's going to be someone who is a man of lawlessness and the rebellion. He's going to come first before Jesus comes. And then, it's basically Antichrist. Antichrist. And then, the another sign that is going to happen is the salvation of Israel. Israel is going to be saved. Now, we do not fully know what does that mean. Many people can interpret scriptures in different ways. And I have my own interpretation of scripture, but I just don't want to push it here. So, let's read Romans chapter 11, verse 25 and 27. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. Brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them. And I will take away their sins. So, regarding the coming of Christ, he has given so many signs. Um, so, there, the, pre, the gospel will be preached to all nations. There will be great tribulation. False prophets are going to come. There will be signs in heavens. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines and earthquakes. And there will be a man of lawlessness who will exalt himself above every so-called God or object of worship. And there's I have going a question. Yes. Are you implying 
Or are you saying that the man of lawlessness is going to be a real person? Or are you just making a broad statement that some people believe this? Well, I am, the man of lawlessness is mentioned in the word. I'm sorry, I'm reading from the word. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. I'm not even playing, I'm reading from the word of God. <laughs> And so then, this is why there is so much <coughs> difference of belief mm. because people look upon things differently. Yeah, yeah. Some may say the man of lawlessness is Satan <laughs> and he's been around forever. Yeah. You're set for the one man. Um, See, and that's what I would believe. Yeah. And not person would believe something else. Mm. And therefore, we have all of this, nobody knows. So we might have just wait and see what happens. <laughs> Eagerly waiting. <laughs> I like what she says because I mean, end time theology is secondary theology. Yes, you yes. Know, it's not. It's not heretical if you take an amillennialist yeah. view or a postmillennialist yeah, yeah. view or post-trib view or predispensationalist view or you know, like some people believe the man of lawlessness is Nero or mm, that the mm. seven-year tribulation period already happened in seventy AD. I mean, yeah. Or we're experiencing it the tribulation right views, now. You know, yeah. symbolic or a, a, a literal hermeneutic. But I think, like she said, it's good. That's good because it's good to discuss the thing. Yeah, I'm coming there. So, yeah. <laughs> so well, that's what was the important mention? You said Second Thessalonians. Yes. yes. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one to four. Because it doesn't have a verse twenty-four. One to four. One. Oh, one to four. four. Oh, okay, one to four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and there's going to be salvation of Israel. So now. Again, as uh, brother, Sister Mara and Brother um, Daniel <laughs> pointed, <laughs> this is a secondary concern and there should not be a fight among Christians among this. All our basic, basic things are, you know, fulfilled that we all love Christ, we put Him as Lord, our Lordship and He's our Savior and we all agree on his, Him going to return. But in specific details, we have different objections and some of the objections is uh, one objection that comes from some uh, one contradiction that comes from the word of God is that he's going to suddenly come and there's going to be but there are going to be signs. So people say, Pastor I was just going to say, I'm listening to you say all the difference of opinion. Do you know where the greatest dis uh, division is? Whether premillennial that's why I mentioned Pastor Bob is going to deal with it next, next week well, and <laughs> I, you know I, I'll, I'll confess I, I confess even though I'm teaching on this topic I write more on the millennialism topic yeah. because I'm more interested in knowing that than this anyway so a, a possible solution is there's something called pre-tribulational, pre-millennialism that people have come up with to, to help, con to solve the contradiction that Jesus is going to come back suddenly and with this all these signs. It basically says what is pre-tribulational, pre pre-millennialism is Jesus is going to come back suddenly and take up believers and no. there's going to be tribulation period. I mean, I'm not saying it is true. I'm just saying it's a view. <laughs> brother, brother, this has been good. Uh, when we stand before the king, 
it's not how much we know, yeah. but how much we live. Yes. Um, so, and then he's going to come back again second time, uh, uh, like second time, second time. <laughs> To to, to to actually establish a kingdom. That's the, that's the view. But, you know, historical Christianity doesn't agree to it. So there are other ways that people come around with, and uh, I, I don't want to deal with it. Pastor Bob is going to deal with it very systematically. I'm <laughs> better than me. Let, I will let him deal with it. So there's another view is, uh, like what Brother Daniel has said, like so many signs has already been fulfilled. Like, you know, Gospel has actually gone to nations. You know, Paul in the scripture says, I have taken word of God where it is not preached and I have covered the known world at the time. And then there's already, actually if you think about it, the tribulation is going on already since the beginning of, since the Christ taken up from, from here to the, uh, to the heaven. Since that day, there's persecution, there's persecution, there's a lot of persecution is going on. So the tribulation is already happening. And we already know so many people came in the name of Jesus saying, you know, Christ has said this or God has said this and they're already false prophets. So all these signs have, signs have in some way or the other happened except one sign. That's the signs in the sky, in the heavens, the sun and the moon. But that could happen instantly. So there are people saying, we do not know for sure if they happen, but it's, it's not possible, but likely it's... It, it's unlikely, but possible that it might have happened, all the signs, and yes, could come back. Could come back. Now, if we all think that these signs have not had happened, and Christ, could, Christ cannot come now, because these signs have not have happened, what, what will happen to our hearts? The first thing, the expectation is that Jesus can come back anytime, will be taken away from us. Right? If you think that, okay, these signs have not have happened yet. So, you know, he's still far away, maybe 20 years, 30 years, maybe 100 to... So we don't have any more expectation. That means we, we don't have any desire or, you know, reward in living a Christ-filled, holy, self-controlled life next coming. But second, the reason that Jesus gave all these um, signs was to intensify our expectation. So it defeats the purpose uh, if you actually think Jesus is not going to come back soon. So now Luke chapter 21 verse 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So to intensify our eagerness, our expectations, Jesus mentioned the word, uh, these signs. He didn't mention this saying so that we can lazily sit back and wait. Okay, he's not going to come back soon. Okay. Now, there is something else called Peterism, which I find it ridiculous that people think that Jesus has already come back. This is a form of heresy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But people do believe it. There's something called Peterism. They think Jesus has already come back. But from everything that we saw, how does he come? He come with the pomp, with the angels, everyone will know. So, Peterism cannot be right from that just perspective. What did you say? Pre what? Peterism. Peterism. Preterism. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then there are others that call themselves Christians um, that fall into the camp of have predicted that Jesus will come back. And instead of 
saying, oh, it was a false prediction that falls into the William Miller camp and all mm. those. They'll say that he came back invisibly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called the investigative judgment or something like that. Yes, so right. it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have for today. And if you have oh, any let, questions... Let me just, uh, share a couple of things. One, when you said about uh, him coming suddenly, yet that all these things yet to be fulfilled, I think to me what it means suddenly is that it'll happen so quick, it happened immediately. In other words, it won't be any chance by degrees, it'll be at once. Every eye shall see him and every tongue shall mourn because of him. And the other thing is, I said to live each day as the last. I'd like to give you a verse a little better than that. 1 John 2.28, it says, Abide in the Lord Jesus so that when he shall appear, we shall not be ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you all of you right now that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be tears shed because we're going to see as he sees us, not as we think. Uh, mm -hmm. First, uh, uh, Corinthians 12, 13. Then we shall know as we are known. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see how God has seen us. Mm -hmm. Not as we think we ourselves, but as he sees us. Mm -hmm. And so that's really like, uh, to abide means to dwell in him. Day by day. And that's the joy of the Christian life. Amen. <coughs> Any more questions or comments? I was just going to say that's a way that we can pray that the Lord would help us, you know. Um, even in our times when we're not around people, you know, He knows what's, what's going on through our minds and, and what's happening in our lives and how we're spending our time and what our focus is on um, and what delight, really delights our heart. Um, and so we can pray and ask the Lord to help us because sometimes we want to, we have good intentions, but we don't make that progress. And oh, how we will be ashamed mm. when we see Christ's face and we know we didn't live this life like we should have. Mm. But he can help us. Yeah. Thank you. I have a question. In regards to um, the end times, if the blood of Christ covers our sins, um, what would be the need for him judging us? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he would not be judging us as believers. Um, okay. I talked about judgment of the unbelievers, but he will be giving. But we will give give him account of our deeds. Well, and that's he, what I'm and he, it's it's. Like, why would he be? It's a, it's a basically giving us reward for the life we lived. For him, Pastor Paul, do you have any comment? Well, what is the question? Uh, can you repeat, sister? Sure. Um, if the blood of Christ covers our sins, yes. um, and our joy in heaven is Jesus Himself, then what is the need for God um, giving us any type of credit or reward or okay. to to our work? You're talking about First Corinthians three ten thirteen. So, if our works shall be judged, whether um, if they're wood, hay, and stubble, or whether they're precious stones and so forth, that'll distinguish our works. Um, the reason for that is because in eternal state, there will be life continuing. In other words, there will be degrees of where we will serve. Some like Billy Graham or some of these others, they'll serve in a different position than what we will. And so therefore, uh, what we will find in the eternal state is where we will serve, at the lowest or at the highest. There will be different, just as there's different degrees of, uh, of war when we stand before the king, there'll be different degrees of service. 
And that's the best answer I can give to you. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has to do where where He rates us, where He sees us, and how He's going to use us in the eternal kingdom. Thank you. Yeah. The parable just, of the oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, the parable of the talents might be a good way mm. to think about it. Yeah, very good. Very yes. good. That you know, God gives different talents, and and the one makes five additional talents and is rewarded accordingly, and the one makes two. But no believer is going to be the the one who was cast out because he was a wicked, lazy servant. I just wanted to read a portion of that scripture. And it is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll just read verse, from verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so in other words, I wouldn't want to live my life where my motives are wrong and I'm doing things for the wrong reason. It looks good to everybody. I'm doing it for the Lord. All you see is I'm doing it for the Lord. But I know my heart, and God knows my heart. So when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, those works get burned up because they were dead works. I did it to get praised. I did it to look good. I didn't do it for God's glory alone. And, and we have to pray because we have our hearts of idol factories. We're idle. You know, so that's why we got to pray for God to really... You know, keep us in check, and we're not going to be without sin. We have this indwelling sin, so it's a battle. But do I want to live my life doing nothing but dead works? Absolutely not. Not just because I'm looking for a reward, but who am I living for? Mm. Am I living to glorify myself or glorify God? But that is, that is, that is it. If our works are burned up, I'll, by myself, I'll be saved. But I have nothing to present to mm. the Lord, and mm. and ultimately I will. Get no reward for I, I, I I'd like to add to that, uh, uh, Tanya. Uh, and I say this because I've come back over many years of failure. But I can tell you this the more you love Him, the more your work will count for Him, and the more you enjoy the Christian life. Mm -hmm. uh, four times in the scripture, begin with uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 9. Uh, you know, 6 5, and then uh, uh, Matthew uh, 22, uh, Matthew 22, 27 to 29, and then Mark uh, 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 13. I'm not sure the uh, Luke and Mark, they're the same thing. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we say that. But it goes in one ear and out the other. But to really take that seriously, we understand what Jesus said in the upper room when he said, this is my, uh, one last word, love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. And you can't love one another because of imperfection until you love him most. See, if we love him most, then we can love one another. Because this love is transferred right to us. If I could add just one thing, I think we shouldn't be afraid to to look forward to and desire 
rewards, but we want to desire them from God, like Tanya was saying, Amen. not from Amen. men. Amen. I was reminded as you were speaking, Tanya, of um, of what Jesus says in Matthew six: When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then it goes on. You know, when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we are meant to be motivated by the rewards that are promised, but motivated to serve God and not to, to do what's going to get human praise. The greatest reward is, is salvation. And that will be with Christ. Amen. 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 For eternity. That's enough right there. <laughs> <laughs> Consider the other where we could be. <laughs> For eternity. <laughs> I also just want to share Psalm 16, the final verse. Um, Psalm 16, 11. Amen. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so good. You make no... <laughs> You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's a great reminder of what does await. Mm. Uh, uh, just one word in that. Thank you for bringing it up. There is nothing so wonderful, so wonderful, so wonderful as to know the presence of the Lord now. Amen. That is just so wonderful. I can't say that enough. There's that other passage that says that in him is the fullness of all joy. Yes, Amen. fullness of joy, right. Yeah. Him, right, Amen. Lies have fallen us into a pleasant place in his presence and full of joy and his right hand of pleasures for everybody. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's what we're all eagerly waiting for. Let's conclude this. Brother Daniel, would you mind praying? Yes. Father God, we thank you so much for, for uh, Brother Nabeen's lesson here, Lord. And, and just remind us this week, Lord, um, to look forward to the blessed hope, Lord. Amen. Um, to look forward um, um, to to even to even see how we see trials, Lord, in our life. To especially when, when the apostle said, "Through this kingdom we shall enter through much tribulation, Lord," and know that that trials and tribulation is is ultimately good for us, Lord. It's 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 ultimately what we need for our sanctification, Lord. May you, um, may you remind our hearts, Lord, of, of the importance of uh, living a holy life, Lord, of, of living for your return, Lord, of living for our, to have a, a strong testimony to uh, our unbelieving family, Lord. Um, be with us uh, this week, Lord. Uh, convict us, Lord. Um, convict our hearts, warm our hearts to you, Lord. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.